This is the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast. This podcast provides tips, tools, and inspiring stories for creating clarity around your calling, opening your heart to infinite possibilities, and enabling you to have the greatest impact on the world. I'm Julian Crossenhill, a certified spiritual life coach, meditation teacher, human design specialist, and founder of Pre-Survenana. And most recently, I've joined the faculty at Starseed Academy Coach Training. It's my mission to teach and guide others in living a spiritually aligned life that answers their unique calling. Welcome, and thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Answer Your Unique Calling. So this is kind of a special episode for me. This is episode 26, and it marks the one-year anniversary that I've been doing this podcast. And so for me, that's kind of an important milestone because when I started this podcast, I still struggled with perfectionism in my business a lot. I still struggled with um, not feeling like things were quite good enough, wanting to create a certain image of professionalism that was really almost an impossible metric to to hit. It was this level of perfectionism. And that perfectionism, I've talked about this a little bit before, that in, 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 a, in your spiritual business, in your entrepreneurship as a spiritual business owner, perfectionism can often get in the way of getting things done. It gets in the way of even starting projects that are really going to move your business forward. And the same was very true for me. This podcast, I was new to podcasting, and I felt like I didn't know enough, which part of that's my my one line in my human design pro- profile, the investigator that always has feels like they need to know more, they need to understand more to, to feel comfortable doing something. But it was also about that professionalism. I, I was worried about how it sounded, how well it was produced, all of these things that I've learned that probably are a lot less important than the message that's going out in my podcast. And I did the first one, and it was a little rough. Um, I've still learned a lot about speaking, and I feel like I've definitely gotten better. I still have a lot of filler words, which in public speaking is something that you want to avoid. And I have a lot of these because when I record my podcast, I make a little outline of, of the key points I want to talk about. And then I just get on in on here and I talk and I allow my spirit guides and my intuition to inspire me so that I feel like I'm bringing forth the message that spirit wants me to deliver to the people who listen to this podcast. I want to inspire people with messages that are uplifting and that benefit them and help them move forward in their lives. And I found that for me, I can do that best when I have a general framework of what I, I want to talk about. And then I allow spirit and my guides and the discussion to just sort of evolve organically to allow what comes out, that, what needs to be said, what spirit wants to be said to come out. And so my first podcast, that was still a little rough. Um, I was still definitely learning how to do that in a way that flowed. And so there were a lot more ums and you knows and rights and little filler words while I was getting comfortable with my own flow and really talking and speaking in my own flow. But I did it. And that was the important thing. 
I put aside perfectionism and said, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to create this podcast and I'm going to put it out there and let it let it be out there. And an amazing thing about that, let me tell you one of the things that I've learned from doing this podcast. I don't go back and, and listen to my episodes. I, I, I lightly edit them. I clean up the sound. I do a few things, but I don't listen from beginning to end to, to my podcasts. I just put sort of put them out there. And my assistant, my wonderful assistant, Maya, who produces a lot of um, a lot of my con- a lot of my socials, she pulls out. She does the wonderful job with my podcast of, of creating my newsletter and creating the little video snippets that I put out on my social media. And Maya listens to the whole episode and she creates my listening notes and, and all of these things that support the podcast. And I always am surprised when Maya pulls out a quote or a little snippet from the podcast and, and turned it into a reel or something. And I often surprise myself at some of the things that I've said on my podcast because I've either forgotten that I said them or I said them quickly and didn't really, you know, it was something that spirit prompted me to say or, or came through my guides and I said it and didn't really give a lot of thought to it afterwards. And then I see it reflected back through the work that my my assistant does for me. And I'm like, wow, that is actually a pretty inspirational message. And so I really learned this flow to how I produce my podcast. And I've kind of found that from that success, I've wanted to replicate that success in some ways. So I started this live video show, which you may have heard about. We're, we're doing our second one. Um, actually, we just had our second one. Our, our third one will be coming up. We do it every other Friday at noon, and I do it with Roz Kincaid and Jordi Chevalier. And it's just a discussion. We get on and we speak live and, and talk about a topic that we've decided ahead of time. And we answer people's questions in the comments. We let people participate in that way. And it's just very organic and it just flows and it unfolds. And it's very much coming out of this process that I've created for how I do my podcasts. So I did this first podcast. And like I said, it was rough, but I put it out there and I've stayed with it consistently. Every other week, I've put out a podcast for the, for the last year. And that has been a really satisfying accomplishment for someone who never really liked the way his voice sounded when he heard it. You know, I never, I've never loved my voice. I've always thought I had not, not a bad voice. Like it's not too high or squeaky and it's not too deep, but it just, it was always sort of blah to me. I, I didn't really, I didn't really like my voice. I didn't like hearing it recorded. And so for me, having been sort of mired in this perfectionism and not liking the way I sound recorded, it's really an accomplishment to now a year later, be looking back and say, I did 26 episodes of this podcast. And I find that really incredible, but it also is really a powerful lesson for myself in the, in the power of overcoming that perfectionism and doing things anyway of doing things well enough without having to be perfect and what you can accomplish when you set that perfectionism aside and just start something when you just create a process that works for yourself 
And, and that sort of leads into the next learning point that I want to sort of talk about. So this whole episode, I'm going to talk about what I've learned in the last year, not just in this podcast, but in my business. Um, I think that that's really important for other spiritual entrepreneurs to to see what the journey of people, different entrepreneurs looks like. What does it, what does the journey as a spiritual business owner look like? And what are some of the things that other people in their spiritual businesses are learning as they go through it? So one of the things I've really learned about, I, I've done human design for a while and I've studied it for a while, but over the last year in working in my business and doing a podcast and doing all of the things that I've been doing, I really learned a lot about human design. And one of the first things I really learned, and I had started to learn this, and I think it's become more concrete for me this year, is as a manifesting generator, I have a tremendous ability to multitask and to accomplish a lot of things in a short amount of time. And for a long time in my life, I always saw my multiple interests, my multiple hobbies, doing multiple things at once, having eight projects happening at once, and maybe only five of them ever get completed. Uh, who am I kidding? Four of them. Um, but I always saw that as a negative, as a defect, as something that was wrong with me that needed to be fixed. For, for a while, I took ADD-type medication, trying to like get focused on a single thing and holding focus on one subject at a time. And I found that when I took the medication, I could focus a little more, but I also was a lot less creative. So I stopped taking them. And when I discovered human design and learned that that's actually the way I was designed to operate, it gave me permission to just really lean all the way into that. And over the past year, I really learned a couple of things about being a manifesting generator. One is I don't need to focus. I have I can hold a lot of things in my mind at the same time. I can hold my attention on a lot of tasks at the same time. And I don't necessarily need to force myself to focus on one thing at a time. I've learned that there's a great deal of energy in my design and that I can use that energy to accomplish a great deal in a single day when I really decide to put my mind to it, when I decide to not get stuck and bogged down by perfectionism and some of these other blocks that I've experienced in my business and I know that other people experience in their business. The other thing that I've really discovered about being a manifesting generator is that I don't have to finish everything. Manifesting generators start way more thing, way more things than they finish. There's sort of this gap that things kind of fall through where between the initial sacral response to something, the uh-huh that says, yes, I want to do this, this I'm, I'm super interested in this, I'm passionate about it, and actually putting that the the energy into moving the project forward. So there's sort of a gap between the, the response and the initiation. And sometimes things fall in that gap. And that's okay. That's okay if a project sounds really exciting and you re, your sacral says, yes, do this project. And then you go, mm, no, I'm not going to do that project. And I do that all the time. And I've learned to really lean into that more, to be 
a little more selective in whether I make myself move forward with a project once it's fallen into that gap. Because in the past, when the when projects would fall into that gap, I would sort of push to go ahead and initiate those projects. And I've learned to not push so much to just say, okay, that one fell into the gap, which means we're just going to let it go. And I think that that's a much more um, healthy perspective to how how to approach those things that fall into that gap between the response and the initiation of, of my manifesting generator cycle. One of the things I didn't know in my earlier studies in human design, and I've learned in the last year, is about the 3420 channel in a manifesting generator, because I never really resonated with the sacral sounds, with the aha and nah kind of aspect of those sacral sounds. And so when I learned from my studies in quantum human design and, and following Karen Curry Parker, that the 3420 channel, which connects the sacral to the throat, that manifesting generators with that channel verbalize their sacral sounds and that the first things that they say tend to be their sacral response. And so I learned that my sacral sounds are a lot different. They tend to be ew or yuck or gross even and for the negative and the positive things are usually okay, sure, or yeah, um, not the, the traditional sacral sounds. And that was really revolutionary for me because for so long I didn't really resonate with the sacral response. The other aspect of that though, that I've really learned this year and I've even, even more recently is I haven't really been in love with the some of the direction that human design has been going lately. And what I mean by that is I think that there's a strong approach to human design that is very in the head. It's very mental and it's very rules driven and it's very limiting in the way that it's described. And what I've been really, I've gotten very interested in somatic descent and somatic coaching lately and getting more into ideas of embodiment. And what I have really discovered is putting less emphasis on my sacral sounds and more on how does it feel in my body? What does my sacral response feel like? Because if I can feel into that, I can. I found that that tends to be more accurate than trying to leverage or force or make the sacral sounds. I can lean into, do I feel this response in my body? Do I feel my body responding to these things? Because there's deep wisdom in the soma. And when we learn to get out of our head and into our body and feel into those responses, it's a very different experience of human designs, particularly as a sacral being. And so I really believe that generators and manifesting generators need to do the work on embodiment and feeling their way through that sacral response, because it's a completely different experience of human design in that way. I'm not, I'm not in love with the very rules-based and trying to force the sacral sounds and, and the, that type of approach to human design. I understand why some people approach human design that way, because it's a lot of work getting people in touch with the embodiment aspect. It's a lot of work doing somatic work and getting people rooted in their body and familiar with their body and listening to their body, particularly if they've been in their head for all of their lives. 
or if there's been trauma and they're very disconnected from their body. It's much easier to give them some rules and try to get them to make some sacral sounds than to tell them to feel into that response. But as I'm as I'm developing my own deepened awareness into human design and into my own human design, I'm finding that that aspect, that somatic element of human design is much more important to me than, than the rules-driven thing. And that for my personal experience of my design, feeling that response and feeling that sacral is more important to me than the sacral sounds. I'm also really feeling that human design, the way some, the way it's talked about frequently is very limiting. In a couple of examples, the, the whole idea that generator types or sacral types have to wait to respond for something before they can initiate. The projectors have to wait for the invitation, that reflectors have to wait 28 days. I can see why people feel limited by those concepts. I can see why people feel limited. A lot of human design specialists will set someone down, tell them you're this type, this authority, and you can't do this, 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 this. You have to do, you have to wait, you have to wait, you have to wait. And I can see why people find that very limiting. And here's what I'm going to say about that. One of the things I have always said to projectors and reflectors about waiting for the invitation, waiting the 28 days, I've said, I've told my clients, do that for the big stuff. Getting a new job, buying a house, starting a new relationship, starting a business. Once you get into the flow of life, do the things that feel good to you. If you're a projector, rely more on your authority than your strategy in those cases. Experiment with your design. See which things you really need to wait for an invitation for, and which things you can use your sounding board, you can use your authority, or you can just go with what feels good in your body. What, what is your body telling you feels good? What are all of the other centers in your energetic circuitry? Because remember, at the heart of human design, this is a system of archetypes. These are archetypes that exist in the collective unconscious, and we all have access to all of the archetypes. We're just going to experience them in different ways. And the best way to truly understand those archetypes and how you experience them in your life is to experiment with them. So I always encourage people to experiment. If you don't want to wait for something, try it. It may not, it may not work. It may not work. You may find that you bit off more than you can chew, or particularly with, say, a projector, they may find that they don't really have the energy to follow through on something when they don't wait for the invitation. But they will know, they will understand. It's hard to understand waiting for the invitation or waiting to respond from a mental point of view. You have to, first of all, Understand it through your lived experience, through experimentation, and secondly, through feeling into it through your body. So those are, those are some of the lessons I've learned in the last year about human design. Something else that I've really understand, under, come to understand about 
owning a spiritual business and being a spiritual entrepreneur is that you have to be willing to allow your business, your vision, and your messaging to evolve over time. You are growing spiritually as a person, or at least I, I certainly hope you are. And as you grow, the way you talk about what you do in your spiritual business is going to change and evolve, and that is good. You, As you level up, the type of people you want to help is also going to level up. So you're going to find that your clientele is going to shift as you grow and as you develop, and that means that your messaging is going to have to shift. If you aren't regularly checking in to your marketing and your messaging and checking and seeing, is this messaging that I'm using aligned with my vision of my business and my understanding of who I wish to serve in my business, then that's a problem. If you aren't evolving your messaging, but your business is evolving, you're growing, and the type of clients and the way that you show up to serve them and who you're being in your business are changing, you, then you're, you're going to struggle to find clients because your messaging is still trying to find the other clients who aren't going to respond to the new type, the new person that you're being, the new way that you're showing up in your business. And this is something I've had to learn as my own coaching niche has sort of evolved and my understanding of it and the way I talk about it. I started out with very much being about answering your spiritual calling and stepping into service. And as my own spiritual growth has happened through working with Akashic Records and some other modalities that have been new to me this year, and my own spiritual growth, I've really started to evolve my messaging more into talking about helping spiritually minded professionals step into a life of limitless possibility, freedom and impact. Because to me, that's really part of answering your calling is stepping into that limited, limitless potential, limitless possibility, freedom and impact. Because answering your calling is really about the impact you have in the world. It's about and it's about having that freedom and having that limited limitlessness about your life. All of those things are necessary to complete your soul's mission here, to complete your soul's purpose. That's where we're growing. That's where we're going. And as a spiritual business owner or as someone who's just a professional who feels like they have a spiritual calling, it doesn't really matter either way. That's what you're needing. You're needing to get to that limitlessness to where you can see everything as a possibility. You need to have that freedom to really do and grow and be. And obviously, impact is going to be a huge part, whether you're a business owner or just an individual stepping into this. And so my own messaging has really evolved. And in that process, I've gotten a lot clearer even about who my customers are, who my clients are. And I've adjusted my messaging accordingly. The other big thing that I've kind of learned about my own marketing and my own approach to marketing is around, we often hear when we are in business about consistency. And I absolutely agree that this is true. If you are marketing, no matter where you're marketing, how you're marketing, you just need to be consistent. Consistency is very important. It sets up expectations. 
People have an expectation. They want to see that you're consistent and you follow through. And I think that they say, like in psycho the psychology of marketing, that a person has to hear your message at least seven times before they're, they're really able to respond or whether they before they recognize your brand. And so that consistency is important. If you're not getting out there with your message regularly, you're doing a great disservice to your business. But consistency means different things to different people. So for me, it means putting out a podcast every other week. It means posting two to three times a week on social media. But for some people, they take consistency to mean they hear I need to be consistent and they mean I and they take it to mean I have to post every day. I have to do something every day. And that's not the truth of the situation. You need to find this the frequency that works for you and then stick with it. Consistency more is more about doing it the same way day to like week to week than it is about trying to do something every day. So if your goal is to blog twice a week, then consistency isn't saying blog five days a week. Consistency is saying blog two days a week every week for months on end. That's what consistency looks at. The other thing I've really been focusing on in my business and something that I've really learned is working for me is to start to rely less on social media. And here's why. Something I've had a lot of conversations with spiritual business owners about social media lately. And I, I think a lot of us are feeling like there's just something that social media isn't doing for us. And we're not quite sure what it is. And I think that I've kind of hit it because I was talking to someone and they were talking about all this stuff that they were doing and they were spending so much time making these posts and trying to post every day and they were creating reels and videos and all this stuff. And I said, why are you doing all of that? And they said, well, you, this is what you have to do for the algorithm. It's the, you gotta, you gotta match the algorithm or people won't see your stuff. And here's the thing. If you are trying to match the algorithm, that algorithm is not built to benefit your business. That algorithm is built to benefit the social media platform. Let me say that again. That algorithm is not designed to benefit you or your business. That algorithm is designed to benefit the social media platform. So really, you need to think about when you're doing this in social media, yeah, you want your stuff to be seen, but if you're spending a lot of time and a lot of effort and it's becoming a drain or you find that you're not doing things that are more beneficial to your business because social media is eating up all of your time, you really need to take a step back there and think about what benefit are you getting from social media. And I'm not saying that social media doesn't benefit your business. I think it's sometimes helpful to have a presence on social media. But how much of a presence is something that you can decide? And I've kind of pulled back a little bit on my own social media. When I started a year ago, when I started this podcast, I was pretty much posting five days a week on social media, well, four to five, like it was quite a bit more. 
And I'm down to two to three now, and I'm even starting to kind of pull that back a little more. As I move into, I've, I've started a YouTube channel, and I'm starting to focus my more of my efforts over there. And one of the reasons that I'm doing that is a good point that another another coach made to me, and that is YouTube is tied to Google search engine. So when you make a video for YouTube, that shows up in searches. And when you make a video for Instagram, that algorithm, it shows up for your followers and for people related to your followers for about 48 hours before really no one sees it anymore. So do you want to spend that time creating a video that's got basically a life of 48 hours? Or do you want to spend that time creating a video that has a life of potentially years? And so for me, the trade-off obviously was I want my content to be out there for a longer time. That's why I create a podcast. That's why, you know, why I'm doing a lot of these things that I do. I blog, I podcast, I do things that I want to put the messages out there. And when the people are, when the right person is ready for that message, they'll stumble upon it. And I don't think that social media serves my business in that way. And if you're spending a lot of time on social media and you don't feel like you're getting a lot of benefit from it, then it may also be time for you to think about a change as well. So there's a lot more that I've learned in a year, but I'm going to, I'm going to quit there. I, I think that these were for me important takeaways. And I think they're important things that I wanted to share because I know a lot of my listeners are other people who are spiritual business owners or entrepreneurs or would like to be. And so for me, these felt like the lessons that were most useful to me and also that I felt by sharing my listeners would get the most benefit from. So I hope that these have sort of inspired you or created some additional insight for you. And I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast over this past year. And I'm looking forward to sharing a lot more with you in the next year. Bright blessings. This has been the Answer Your Unique Calling podcast with your host, Julian Crossan Hill, produced by Priest of Inanna, LLC. You can find us on priestofinanna.com. That's priestofinanna, I-N-A-N-N-A.com, or on Instagram at priestofinanna.